0: You're listening to What the Dev, the weekly podcast of SD Times. And now here's Jenna Sargent, news editor of SD Times. In this week's episode, I'm speaking with Steve Lucas, who is the CEO of Boomi. We're gonna talk about real world use cases for integrations between different technologies, which is an area that the company focuses on And also something that Steve has personal experience with, as he is a type 1 diabetic and uses various technologies that work together to manage it. So I'll let Steve introduce himself, and then we'll get right into it.
1: Yeah, thrilled to be here, and thank you, Jenna. I am the CEO of Boomi, and not that I'm counting, but I've been here two months and ten days and absolutely loving it. Uh, But 27 years in enterprise software, almost 28 uh, companies like uh, SAP, Salesforce.com. I was uh, the CEO of both uh, iSIM's uh, talent acquisition uh, enterprise software company, and of course, Marketo, which was acquired by Adobe and now here at uh, Boomi. And we do all things integration and automation for enterprise software. And also I happen to be a type one diabetic. Um, and that'll be somewhat relevant here as we talk about technology in a little bit um and uh married with uh two kids and two cats great it's
0: great having you um uh yeah so as you as you just mentioned last time we talked you mentioned how you're type 1 diabetic and how um kind of integration between technology has really changed the way you manage that um because you have now your blood sugar monitor that talks to your insulin pump and then really requires you to not have to, like, pay attention to that stuff quite as much. So, yeah, can you just share a little bit more about that?
1: Yeah, well, I'd love to maybe 30 seconds of background on how that actually happened. Would love to cover that. So uh, about 25 years ago, uh, you know, I was 25 years old and I was I was actually 24, almost 25, and kind of in that mode of convinced that I was immortal, pretty much like every other 25 year old. That's cool. Um, and then, you know, I was traveling for work and wheels fell off the truck and, you know, lots of, uh, uh, uh symptoms that led me to, to ultimately go to the hospital. And they said, uh, ran a bunch of tests and home said, Holy cow, we don't know how to tell you. We're just going to tell you you're type one diabetic. And that's kind of like, you know, not great news, right. When you're, you know, any age, let alone, uh, in your early twenties. And, um, it, it was a shock. You, you kind of go through the phases of like, well, what does this mean? Am I going to have to eat cucumbers for the rest of my life? You know, I don't exactly know. And then I found an amazing um, physician who uh, helped me figure out, here's what we're going to do. And they basically said, you're going to have to be on insulin injections for the rest of your life. And so you, you, you absorb that. But, and at the time, you know, 25 years ago, the, the technology was literally, they handed me an orange, like the fruit, and a syringe, and they said, "Why don't you practice giving this a shot?" And I was terrified of needles. I did not want to, you know, stab this innocent little orange with a needle, let alone myself. Right. So you kind of think, you know, you, you go through you go through that process as well. And and what you learn, by the way, is you know, injections are not fun. But the, the technology was so crude. You're doing finger sticks. You're testing ten to fifteen times a day you're doing 10 to 15 injections a day, by the way, that's, you know, 3,500 to 5,000 injections a year of insulin that you're giving yourself. And so that's not great. So it's not a shock or it shouldn't be to anybody that, you know, having type one diabetes can be really, really challenging to manage because, and, and by the way, it's a data challenge because you have to be aware of your blood sugar levels at all times. Not just after you ate it. Maybe you're too low. Maybe you're too high. But you do learn a valuable lesson through all that. And now I'll bring it back to data and devices, which is running businesses kind of like managing blood sugar. You don't want it to be too high, but you also don't want it to be too low. You got to kind of keep it right down the middle. And then things tend to run really smoothly. And so over time, the technology has gotten better and better and evolved. years ago i got this really cool thing it's about the size of a u.s quarter you stick it on your side on your arm on your leg and it, it gives your your iphone a readout of your blood sugar in real time that's pretty cool so now you can do less finger sticks but you're at least aware of am i too high or too low that was on the left hand and then a few years ago i got another cool stick on device a totally separate one that doses your insulin Now, this device, you know, called an insulin pump, you can sometimes wear them on your belt. I have a cool stick on one. But now you're starting to look a little bit like, you know, a Best Buy or Circuit City. You got lots of, you know, electronics stuck on you. But you've got one product stuck on you that reads your blood sugar. And then the other product that, in this case, gives you insulin. And wouldn't it be great if the two could just talk to each other? Because that's the main function of your pancreas. And that's exactly what I have now is the ability for the the sensor to talk to, in this case, the pump, and it just autodoses. And my world has changed. And so will the lives of millions all over the world of type 1 diabetics, where we're literally walking examples of an artificial pancreas, which is data and technology connecting and talking to each other.
0: Yeah, that's gotta be kind of wild to think about like how you used to have to do like 10 to 15 injections a day and now it just kind of it's all just kind of happening automatically.
1: Yeah, it will it just happens. I will say there are moments where you're staring at it going, all right, little device, I'm trusting you with my life. Right. It's a yeah. few of those. Yeah, crazy. Crazy. Yeah. Like, it's just amazing how. Advanced, the technology has gotten, and I would imagine now that those devices are connected, it's ultimately well. Will they get smaller and you know smaller footprints, and then you know should should they be embedded devices or not? Lots of of questions. But hey, I'm not complaining. I don't have to stab any more oranges, and and uh, no more daily injections. It just all happens. But that really is kind of like the future, right? If you think about how how I think about our company, Boomi is. You know, a lot of these systems and applications and databases, they weren't connected, right? So, step one is like, all right, well, let's digitize them. And step two is, let's connect them. And then step three is, well, let's just automate this. So, similar to sensing your blood sugar is too high, let me auto dose. The same could be applied to a cash management process. If your cash flow is looking uh, off, then how do your systems automatically react to that and we are not far from those adaptive systems inside of businesses
0: yeah so since boomi is kind of in that whole integration space um what sort of like use cases are you seeing for that are really cool for like integrating different technologies
1: yeah, well, you know, I always like to start with a, a really kind of a like a human use case that I think is, uh, you know, before we get to just riveting topics like lead to cash, there's a, a company out of Australia, and they, um, it's Cochlear is the name of the company, and they literally bring hearing to people that have never had it before. I mean, talk about a, a mission, right? That's pretty awesome. And they use Boomi to integrate all of their different, you know, software systems internally. And that's cool. But what they do with it, the, the if you want to call it a business outcome, I would call it a human outcome, is they use Boomi to literally coordinate and orchestrate getting the, the patient into the operating room. All of the different systems that go into the practitioners, the doctors, the nurses, the, to, to get that patient in that operating room, to to then get the implant in this case, literally in their, their skull, right? There's that's orchestration. And then they use Boomi to of course get everyone to that, you know, that uh, the, the scheduling for that first activation, the literal turning on of a patient's hearing. And when you, when you appreciate what integration and automation do, Right. Bringing people together, making connections, and then you you get to see those special things that a company like Cochlear does with technology, their own technology to to restore hearing, but also the the activity of getting all those people to that moment. It's just incredibly powerful. And that's just like that's one example of just better orchestration and bringing people together. But the 20,000 companies that use Boomi all over the world, they do literally millions and millions of different solutions of integrations and automations like that. That's what they drive every single day with Boomi. So yes, of course, companies are envisioning and do things like, hey, we need to find a better way to, to bring together these complex systems to drive order to cash or lead to cash scenarios. Those happen as well, but I would say if there is any any business scenario that you can almost dream of, Boomi can come in and help accelerate that outcome. And I often, Jenna, you know, I, I like to refer to people as like citizen innovators, right? I'm not talking about the person who knows like how to crack their knuckles and start coding, right? That that ability is beyond me as a normal human being. I'm not a a coder or a developer, but, but we still have ideas about how to innovate inside of a business. And that's where Boomi comes in, is we, we deliver this low-code, no code solution that helps people go from an idea to implementation in no time. And that's that that's the citizen innovator is who I want to empower.
0: So another thing that has been on most people's mind in the past few months is Chat GPT. Um everyone's like kind of of all the things sure. it can do, so um, and and like OpenAI just announced that they were releasing an API so that you could actually like integrate it into your um, application. So, what do you see as being possible if companies are going to really start integrating more AI into their workflows and into their products?
1: Well, it, I mean, it, it is pretty amazing what it does, right? The the fact that it can. Uh, generate the kinds of responses it does from a fairly generalized set of knowledge, the, the internet knowledge base or whatever we give it access to. It's it's super cool. And I will say, I think we are, this is more than just venture capital hype that we're witnessing. This is, I think that the birth of, and, and to a degree, a realization of many years of investment in machine learning, and artificial intelligence. And it's cool that it is. It's super cool, right? My ability to just just go in and type in almost anything, you get a reasonably coherent response, um, will further aid us as human beings in just gathering knowledge. And look, if if it wasn't compelling, well, it sure has spooked companies like Google. I mean, they're moving very, very quickly. Because if you're interacting with ChatGPT, you go, huh? this is actually more informative than just 74 web pages that I got to go sort through myself, right? It's more of an answer than leads to an answer. And I like that, I, I, I like that. So it's super impressive, but we're still missing a connection. ChatGPT as a case in point, it doesn't take action. So I can go in and say, um, hey, I need to connect my sales to my financial reporting so I can get a lead to cash process. What would I do? And it'll give me the four or five steps that I need to go in order to do that. But it's not actually going to go take action because the, in this case, GPT-3 engine that you're interacting with, it's not aware of where are your enterprise systems? Do you use Salesforce and NetSuite? It doesn't know those things, but we do. And so connecting those two environments, the inference and kind of generalized conversation model, GPT-3. Uh, with a system like Boomi that knows where your systems are um, what connections you need to make it happen connecting those two for lack of a better term kind of neurons will enable that kind of environment where i could literally go in and say um, i need more effective sales reporting what should i do and a design environment in Boomi would pop up and then the actual steps are taken to design it now before anyone believes that you know, this is going to like turn into Skynet, there are so many layers of control that you can put into that. Things like, well, it, it, the system's not going to do anything that I, as a user, don't have the right to do. So there's things like authentication, authorization, and what we call access control, which is, if I don't have access to a specific point of data, even if I ask the system to do it, it, it can't. So there's all kinds of, of layers and controls that need to be thought through and built into this. But nonetheless, the capability, it's unprecedented to be able to say, build me a lead to cash process. And it happens.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's incredible. Are there any other like exciting trends that you're seeing in the integration space that our listeners ought to keep an eye
1: out for? Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Well, I mean, obviously it's kind of tough to, to, to beat, you know, what's going on in machine learning, but I think the biggest thing is this notion of um, the, the low code, no code, I think is a, is a, is a huge deal. The, the reason is, is that, and again, I want to come back to this whole citizen innovator concept that, that is out there is just so few, but you uh, business or knowledge workers have access to these types of systems, right? So it's kind of this domain of IT where we have an idea, but we have to go ask IT and then get a budget. And then there's an initiative before we can just do anything, build a report, get some information or automate a simple process. So this whole notion of low code, no code, incredibly transformative. So I think that that's a a big thing that we're going to see rapidly accelerate because people they they just want to be able to do things without being encumbered uh by all of the requirements that are out there. So I think that's a a massive trend and uh, and I think one that's going to accelerate. And then uh you know I would say that in the world of machine learning it's much more than just being able to interact and ask basic questions. Think about banking as a case in point. Banks, and especially, l- let's go with companies that trade equities. They make their money based off of how quickly they can make it, uh, move information. It's not the, the, the stock trade that you're making obviously needs to be well-informed. It's how quickly can I move the information? So what you're going to see is companies that are using machine learning to figure out, well, Have I placed information in efficient or inefficient locations? So you're using machine learning to actually deal with things like data placement, literally speed of light (laughs) type calculations. And so we're seeing much, much more advanced use cases as well. So the range of applicability of machine learning, and then, of course, coupling it with low code, no code, I think it's just going to change how we do our jobs.
0: Yeah. So what's next uh, for Boomi as a company?
1: All things automation. You know, Boomi has done, you know, along with a number of other companies in our industry, a a great job of building, you know, the the, the notion of like, how do we connect these systems? But I think it really is this automation. It, It is the trend. Look at what's happening with companies like UiPath and Automation Anywhere and a long list of other very, very interesting companies. They've continued to, I mean, and, and these companies, by the way, they're highly valued. Why are they highly valued? Well, because you have to believe that this is a little bit of hyperbole, but not much. Software is kind of eating the world, right? If all software companies, or sorry, if all companies are becoming software companies, it, arguably, you could, you and I could sit here and, and, and debate this. But even companies like Campbell's Soup, who make soup, have a massive investment in technology, right? In applications to understand user preferences, a long list of other things, supply chain and the like. But if all companies must become software or software competent companies over time, if that happens on the left hand. And on the right hand, you have millions and millions of new software nodes phones, devices, people spun up every single day, if not every week, but every day. How does all of that get connected? But then how do we manage the flow of data and information through these systems? And it is fundamentally automation. So for booming, our, our past and our present has been uh, integration. Our present and our future will undoubtedly be automation. So building much, much more in and around that front for people to just unlock how we automate data and applications
0: awesome well that's about all the time we have for this episode but i want to thank you for taking the time to talk to us i think this is a really interesting conversation
1: indeed and thank you jenna for uh, for the time looking forward to talking to you again in the future
0: yeah definitely